minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments of the Morning radio program.
Sam in the AM. Friday morning. 5th of June, day 18. Chai Sivan. <laughs> the year 5775. Tough Hey, good morning, everybody. How you doing? Welcome to an era of Shabbos at JM in the AM. Uh, Bowie Vishalom done by Leviathan. You heard A.B. Rottenberg and company with Leif Vanefesh with Achenu. Some people couldn't believe I didn't play that song on Wednesday, The Art Side of the Three Boys. I didn't think of it. I should have, of course. A song that helped uh, really bring everybody together last year. Ooh, just reminded myself about something regarding today's weekly update. There you go. Uh, Yehuda Green, Nigun Moshe off of Nishmas, and Hualokeno off of Yearning, the Chevra Hadchai, and Regesh, Modani opening things up as we say good morning. It's Friday on this Erev Shabbos, Parshas Baaloscha, candle lighting at 8.04 on this Erev Shabbos, 8.04. Mazal Tov going out to Lori and Dr. Joe and the entire Rosazada family. They're getting to, uh, ready to celebrate David Rosazada's Bar Mitzvah, West Orange, New Jersey, this Shabbos. We say Mazal Tov and Mabruk from all of us here at JM in the AM. 57 degrees, 81% humidity, winds in northeast at 10 miles an hour. Morning clouds, afternoon sun, a high temperature of 69, partly cloudy tonight. Low of 61, partly cloudy for tomorrow. And a high temperature of 79 degrees. Yerushalayim is at 73 and sunny. We're at 7, what do we have? 57 here in Jersey City as we wake up at JM in the AM. Friday morning means our weekly update's coming up. Malcolm Homeline's going to join us in the 7 o'clock hour. Also, Avram Zamist and Struli Meyer about an hour from now. They've got some major Jewish music announcements, including the Benny Friedman tour that we're going to be talking about. So we'll get that on the air here at JM in the AM. Rabbi Yudin, of course, at 8.15 with the Torah portion of the week. Wrapping things up at 9 o'clock this morning here at JM in the AM and jmnam.org. Uh, before we go into an amazing, uh, Jewish, uh, before we go into an amazing, um, uh, pro- day of programming on our stream <laughs> at jmnam.org and the NSN app, Gav Naomi Nachman and the Table for Two coming up at 9 o'clock. At 10 o'clock, Kedem presents an am- amazing Erev Shabbos music mix all the way until candlelighting time. Hey, um, Monday, eighth day in studio here at JM in the AM. Monday, eighth day in studio here at JM in the AM. Brand new album, live music. We'll try to get to your phone calls. Uh, it'll be a unique opportunity. Eighth day is not in this area of the country too often. We get to speak with them uh, this coming Monday and feature their uh, incredible music this coming Monday here at uh, JM in the AM. All right. What did I leave out? Anything? We got it all in, Baruch Hashem? <laughs> want to thank everybody who was tuned in yesterday all day long on our stream. We got tremendous reaction all through the day, and it's much appreciated. Uh, you can always comment on what's going on through the NSN app, Nahum Single Network app. If you don't have it on your Android or iPhone, please install it ASAP. And tell your friends and relatives around the world that we have an incredible app that lets you tune in no matter where you are. Hey, a special hello to the entire group from the Jewish Federation, Lehigh Valley. I got to tell you something. There was a group of, of over 600 people last night at the um, Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs game for Jewish Heritage Night. And um, in general, as all the minor league baseball experiences go, this is among the best. I mean, they're known nationwide for being among the best. 
So a great time was had by all, and we got the brand new Chazire Barzell hat, the uh, baseball cap, which was a big treat. We got the uh, 2015 edition of the Chazire Barzell cap <laughs> and had a great time out there. So again, to those listeners and everybody else uh, who was there last evening, uh, we say Kol HaKavod. J.M. and the A.M. on this era of Shabbos, candle lighting at 8.04. More coming up, including this from Shua Kessin.
Let's go. One.
life by his name, by his name and his life, by his name, who problem and the food for fame, nor for aim, I'm showing my history. Oh, if he is killing noise by his name and by his name and this is killing noise by his name and by his name and this is
J.M. in the A.M. America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listen to sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockham County at 91.9 in the FM dial. Broadcasting live from the Sony and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web. JMNAM.org. That's the Rabbi's Sons, of course. Leap up, bef- excuse me, Leap up before that. He joined us yesterday. It was great having him on the air with nonstop rock. Shlomo Katz, Shua Kessin, Leviathan, all in that set. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, candle lighting at 8.04. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio. 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday is next to JMNAM. Galitzal, Shashtain, Kan Shibel Karmi Mansur, Imashakore Akshav. צרפת מגיבה לראשונה למהלך של חברת אורנג' שהחליטה לנתק יחסים עם פרטנר הישראלית ואומרת אנו מתנגדים לחרם על ישראל כתבתנו אופרי אשל נשיא קבוצת אורנג' רשאי לקבוע את האסטרטגיה העסקית של החברה שלו אולם צרפת מתנגדת בכל תוקף לחרם נגד ישראל כך נכתב בהודעה שפרסם משרד החוץ הצרפתי עוד נכתב בהצהרה שנחתמה על ידי שר החוץ של צרפת לורן פביוס עם זאת, עמדתה של צרפת והאיחוד האירופי בנוגע למפעל ההתנחלויות דבריו של פביוס מגיעים לאחר שאמש ראש הממשלה נתניהו והנשיא ריבלין דרשו מצרפת המחזיקה ברבע ממנויות אורנג' העולמי להתנער באופן פומבי מהחלטת החברה. סגנית שר החוץ ציפי חוטובלי ברכה על דברי פביוס ואמרה הכל שאינו מקבל את החרמות וההשמצה משמעותי וחזק גם באירופה. אני מברכת על החלטת ממשלת צרפת להתנער מכל סוג של חרם נגד ישראל. ממשלת ישראל ומשרד החוץ ימשיכו להוביל קו תקיף נגד מסע הדה-לגיטימציה נגד ישראל. ממשלי אירופה חייבים להשמיע את הקול השפוי באופן גלוי ולצאת נגד התופעה שמתחילה בשוליים והופכת להיות הזרם המרכזי. עם זאת, מוקדם יותר היום טען מנכ״ל אורנג' העולמית, סטפן רישר, שהניתוק שלה מפרטנר ישראל הוא עסקי בלבד ואינו קשור לתנועת החרם נגד ישראל, ה-BDS. המטפלת החשודה בהקעת פעות תשוחרר ממעצר בתנאים מגבילים. כך החליט היום בית משפט השלום בחיפה. חקירתה תימשך למרות שחרורה ובסיומה בכוונת משטרת חיפה להגיש כתב אישום בהליך רגיל. כתבנו קובי מנדל מציין כי החשודה ממשיכה לדבוק בגרסתה ולהכיש את המיוחס לה. שבעה בני אדם נפצעו קל בשרפה שפרצה בבית ביישוב אדם שבבנימין. כתבנו ענבל תמיר מוסר שכוחות הכיבוי השתלטו על השרפה והפצועים טופלו במקום. ברומניה, פרקליטות המדינה פתחה בחקירה פלילית נגד ראש הממשלה שם, ויקטור פונטה, בחשד להלבנת הון, זיוף חתימות והעלמות מס. על פי החשדות, השנים שבהן ביצע פונטה את העבירות הן 2007 ו-2008, אז עבד כעורך דין פרטי. פונטה מכחיש את החשדות נגדו ומסרב להתפטר. תחזית מזג האוויר לסוף השבוע נאה עם עלייה קלה בטמפרטורות. ולסיום, בצל פרשת התפטרותו של סאפ בלטר וחשיפת השחיתות בפיפא, מחר ייפתח גביע העולם בכדורגל נשים בוונקובר שבקנדה. בתשובה לשאלה במסיבת עיתונאים, האם ניתן שוחד לאירוח גביע העולם לנשים בקנדה, ענה נשיא הוועדה המארגנת של הטורניר, לגביע העולם הזה ממש לא. למעשה היינו המדינה היחידה שניגשה למכרז ולכן זכינו. אלה החדשות שעורכת טלי חזקאלי, בצוות נווה וייס ועידן סדרס.
song we sing come the seventh day of the seventh day of every week. Each up is our day of rest for the one above. We look our best, sing a song of praise. Shabbos we shall keep. Is
J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, on this 5th of June and 18th of Sivan. Bowie Vishalom done by Mendy Werdiger. Before that, the Bowie Vishalom done by Eitan Katz. And uh, we opened up the hour with Aryeh Kunstler, Mizmor Shirley, Om HaShabbos. Coming up, it's the uh, weekly update. Malcolm Holmline's going to join us here at JM in the AM. Talk about the events of this week. Lots going on, as you would imagine. So we'll do that coming up here at JM in the AM. And don't forget, Matis hosts an amazing JM Sunday every single Sunday. Matis is live, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, every Sunday with JM Sunday. It includes, by the way, a really comprehensive and nice newscast from Israel in English. For those who want to hear a newscast in English, you have your opportunity on uh, Sunday morning at about 8 o'clock with Matis. So uh, make sure to be tuned in and to enjoy JM and the AM, so to speak, six days a week. Because JM Sunday airs on Sunday. Coming up at nine o'clock this morning, table for two with guest, uh, <laughs> with Naomi Nachman's guest, Cantor Mitch, who's a trained chazan and a chef who has now released a brand new cookbook. Also, Elon Kornblum about the ever-growing Facebook group, Great Kosher Restaurant Foodies. They have over 10,000 members in that Facebook group. Could you imagine? It's all coming up between nine and ten this morning right here at, um, at JM in the AM.org and on the NSN app. And, um, given the opportunity to tune in and enjoy. 720 on a Friday, Mazeldov going out to Gidon Lefkowitz in Passaic, New Jersey. Gidon Lefkowitz becomes a bar mitzvah this Shabbos. We say Mazeldov from all of us here at JM in the AM and to younger brother Nachshon and to Gidon's parents, of course, and the entire family. We say Mazel Tov from the brand new Miracles CD. Here's Mo Da'ani at JM in the AM.
J.M. and the A.M. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Candlelighting at 8.04. That song goes out to Gidon Lefkowitz's Bar Mitzvahs and Besaik this Shabbos. Mazal tov from all of us here at J.M. and the A.M. 57 degrees, morning clouds, afternoon sun, high 69. Pretty good looking weather weekend it looks like. Baruch Hashem for that. And I want to wish a Mazal tov to the Rosa Zada family. To Lori and Dr. Joe and, of course, Bar Mitzvah boy David and the entire extended family. would take the entire show to go through everybody. We wish them a very, very special Mazel Tov. So they get set to celebrate the big Bar Mitzvah Shabbos on this Parsha's Pahaloscha. J.M. and the A.M. at 26 minutes after 7 o'clock. Well, yesterday I promised everybody that both Avram Zamist and Shirley Meyer, two people who are very well known for their involvement on the Jewish music scene, would join me here. Yeah, together. They're joining together. Make some type of joint announcements here at J.M. and the A.M. Imagine that. Two musical powerhouses colliding, and in this case, merging, for one big collective day of announcements. Anyway, they're both with us live via telephone. Gentlemen, good morning. Welcome to JM in the AM. Good morning. Good morning, Nachum. Avram Zamist and Srili Meyer, both with us live via telephone. All right, let's start with what I mentioned yesterday, because uh, I alluded to this. The information already was out there yesterday, so people on their own could see where this is going to be happening. You've announced the Benny Friedman Summer Tour for 2015. Now, a lot of artists have summer tours, and most of them, or a lot of them, I should say, you know, involve uh, different cities, maybe the Catskills region, and, you know, areas of the U.S., and maybe one or two around the world. And I was wondering, you know, why is this such a major announcement? Don't most of the artists uh, have these summer tours? And then I looked at the list, and this is pretty amazing. I don't know who we're starting with, Surly or Avram, but could one of you tell me how this summer tour for 2015 for Benny Friedman got put together? Avram, I'll let you handle it. Um, we, I mean, the past six months we've been getting calls from every corner of the earth for Benny to come perform. And obviously during the year, you know, it's, it's hard to get out there and uh, do a full show. And we said, you know what, this summer we're really dedicating to uh, to the cause. And uh, we started putting together the dates, and uh, one by one, thanks you, to things have lined up really, really beautifully. You know, in some of these cities, it's not summer when you're going to get there. <laughs> they told us in Australia, make sure you uh, make sure you bring your heavy coats. Make sure you dress warm. Uh, so the summer tour 2015 actually kicks off in Tel Aviv. It includes places like Manchester, Monaco. I'm not kidding, folks. Monaco, London, Hong Kong, Jerusalem, of course. Cleveland, Palm Beach, Sydney, Australia, and Dusseldorf. It all kicks off on June 23rd. Should I assume? Well, I'm not going to assume anything. Where is the Tel Aviv concert in which arena? The Tel Aviv concert will actually be a uh, an outdoor event. Ooh! Uh, Where are you doing it? Will be released next. Details will be released next week. Ah, that's going to be uh, any of these. Some, some any, things are still evolving, but actually, if I told you that there's about. I think by the end of the summer, we'll probably have another 10 events even added to this calendar. So as, as busy as it looks, it's going to be even busier. All right, so that would mean that anybody who wants Benny Friedman, if they're tuned in anywhere in this world, whether it's locally or internationally, they could still get him plugged into a summer schedule somehow. Well, 
if you want a concert on a Mozart uh, Tisha we might be able to swing that. Well, one second. On one hand, you're saying that this is going to fill up with more dates. On the other hand, you're saying all that's available are are, are dates nobody wants. Yeah, we have some great dates still left. Okay. And, um, I know a lot of the summer camps um, have been inquiring recently about having Benny, and uh, we'll definitely be up in the Catskills. And, um, of course, anyone uh, listening in Europe and anyone listening in Israel, please contact us. You know, all right. And you're guaranteeing the... to come visit your city as well. And you're guaranteeing the concerts will be very enthusiastic. We shouldn't be led, led on by your mellow tones this morning to think it won't be an exciting event. It will be an amazing event in each city. Well, it's 7.30 in the morning. This is not the well, hour. Why are you telling what we were doing at 4 o'clock in the morning? <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine. Two people involved in the Jewish music world, active with a big tour. I can imagine what was going on at 4 a.m. Benny Friedman, Summer Tour 2015 starts in Tel Aviv. When are all these places, now that we have the dates and the cities that people have been seeing on Facebook and on the web, uh, where do, uh, when do we uh, announce all the specific locations where people can, uh, can see and hear Benny Friedman live? Um, well, well, you should, uh, you should all follow, if you don't already follow Benny Friedman on uh, Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. And um, I think just about every day next week we'll have a different announcement on different cities. So uh, just stay tuned. And uh, if you are more eager than that, you can always email info at bennysmusic.com. And uh, we'd be happy to get you information on uh, any specific dates. You are interested in attending. Info at Benny'sMusic.com. Jam the M. Avram Zamis, Trilly Meyer with us. Benny Friedman's tour has been announced. Any undercard? Are there any guaranteed artists who are going to travel with Benny? Or you may put other people on the bill as you go city to city. Uh, Benny's, uh, I'll tell you this. Benny is be- going to be traveling with his uh, incredible band based here in New York. Uh, a brand new team of guys who are really, really dedicated and, and obviously incredibly talented. Uh, so they'll be with Benny all over the world. And, um, yes, the surprises, uh, will be, uh, will be many. There's no one artist uh, that'll be traveling. As we go to different cities, we find out about new local talent and, and some really incredible talent. So, uh, it's kind of exciting to have, uh, some different flavors in, uh, in each part of the world. So there won't be any artists traveling with him to all these different places? No, the Benny will Benny will fe- be featured in the concert, but definitely a lot of uh, a lot of local talent. Some some announced, some surprises, and um, I can tell you that on uh, Thursday, June 25th, when Benny performs in Manchester, he will be joined by Schleimi Gertner. Ooh, nice! And um, that should be an awesome event. If you remember, they did a uh, very well received uh, medley together a number of years ago at the OL concert. So. We're expecting a uh, a follow up to that big medley, and uh, they they're actually performing together this weekend and also in Tel Aviv in uh, at a wedding. So uh, I don't know that uh, I can announce that on the air, but uh, but you just that, but you just uh, did a very uh, close relationship, <laughs> and that should be a great event as well. Avram Zamis and Shirley Meyer are also announcing this morning, as they did earlier in the week, but now I guess it becomes official. A brand new group is being formed. A group, essentially, I assume a choir. You can give me details in a minute when I turn it over to you. You're looking for boys in the community in the New York, New Jersey area between the ages of 6 and 12 to audition and to become part of a brand-new group. Surely, what's with the brand-new group? What's it going to be called, and why is it time to form a new choir? Well, um, actually, there are a lot of good choirs out there and a lot of great stuff on the market. 
this is actually not going to be a choir. It's going to be a group of boys. Ah, like a, a real orchestra type thing, you mean? Yeah, it's going to be like, you know, uh, we don't have to know exactly how many people, uh, how many uh, boys yet. Right. But we're going to determine that based on, you know, the type of sounds and voices that we hear. But something like, you know, six or seven or eight uh, boys. And it's basically going to be featuring, you know, soloists right. coming together. And, um, you know, the same type of music that we've been working on for years, me and of them. And uh, I think that it's going to be something that's going to be a little different because we're going to be taking our own experiences and our own uh, personal, you know, love of Jewish music and directions and styles that we've been working on for years and bring into a new type of a project. All right, so the, the, way you, the, the way you describe it, this has been done certainly and is more well-known, this whole concept, in places like Israel. I don't know if we've really had a group like you just described, especially, right, in, yeah, this, especially, so. especially in this age group from 6 to 12. Who are um, uh, who have been featured like this? How does the audition process work? What do parents need to know about seeing if their kid could be part of this? Well, we're doing this a little bit differently than I think in the olden days that they used to do this, which is uh, we're asking parents to take a video of their you know, prospective uh, auditioners and uh, you know tell us a little bit about themselves, their age, their you know school, their hometown. And then uh, just uh, email the video of us uh, them singing, you know, their favorite song. And, uh, you know, either, you know, acapella or with an instrument if they play, and then emailing it to uh, jmboysgroup at uh, gmail.com. All right, and no fancy spelling, right? It's B-O-Y-S. Yes, no fancy spelling. <laughs> <laughs> Avram Zabis and Shirley Meyer invite everybody out there, parents especially, uh, if you'd like to uh, send an audition tape for your youngster between the age of 6 and 12. Uh, to try out for this brand new boys group and to be part of a very exciting project. It's jmboysgroup at gmail.com. You just email the video and you'll have an opportunity to, uh, sh- to, to rocket them to fame, as we say. Uh, jmboysgroup at gmail.com. jmboysgroup at gmail.com. That audition process is underway and very active already. All right, gentlemen. Sounds like two really nice announcements. A lot of growth here on both ends of the Jewish music industry. Sounds like you're very excited about it as well. We are very, very excited. excited. We're and, also, um, um, you know, the group is going to actually, we're actually working on an album already. We've already put together, you know, a lot of songs. It's going to be really exciting from some very well-known so you may not have composers. Right. And um, we're going to, you know, we're going uh, full, full out. All right. It's going to be a big, big project. Very nice. Like I said, if it follows suit for to, uh, compared to some of the groups we're familiar with in this age group around the world, especially in Israel, it will be a very exciting project. All right, so there you have it. That's the email address for parents who want to send in audition tapes on that end. Benny Friedman, his summer tour has been announced. It looks like there will be additional dates that will be announced uh, coming up. The tour does include places like Tel Aviv and Manchester, Monaco, London, Hong Kong, Jerusalem, Cleveland, Palm Beach, Sydney, Dusseldorf. Don't worry, I've already checked whether I'm available the week of Monaco. I've already, I've already. What about Dusseldorf? You don't want to come to Dusseldorf. What is Monaco? Is that uh, a Saturday night, a Sunday? What is that? Monaco will be there for Shabbos. Benny's going to do a really beautiful uh, Friday night program. My gosh, and, uh, that's what I need to do. Go to Monaco for Shabbos. Let's this is go. this is looking more and more promising, gentlemen. Frankly, <laughs> and I'm not kidding. I think I think that might be the one city I'm really, really. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, for a guy like me who goes nowhere, if I had to choose from the entire list, that would probably be the one. Benny'sMusic.com. You can also email info at Benny'sMusic.com, B-E-N-N-Y-S, music.com for information. Like I said, it's all over social media. A lot of people already jumping on 
uh, the information regarding Benny's tour. All right, Avram Zam is truly my ever wonderful Shabbos. Good luck with both of these projects. Thank you. Thank you, Nathan. More coming. More coming up, including our weekly update. This is JM in the AM.
Glory boy no lande oh my oh 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 my oh Antu malco melech malchayo oh 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 oh
in the AM at Schwebel, Sharp, and Levine. Before that, Benny Friedman. Take this opportunity and thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com who uh, continue to enthusiastically recommend our amazing live stream to their hundreds of thousands of readers, and we thank them for that. Information at JewishWorldReview.com. Also, a big thank you to our friends at Only Simchas who uh, have included us in a bunch of their great news stories this week, and we thank them very, very much. As we've said on more than one occasion over the last couple of weeks, they have really expanded their reach. Uh, and as great as they are when it comes to Smachot, when it comes to Simchas, they have been incredible in this uh, pursuit of uh, important Jewish news items and stuff that's unique that uh, other websites wouldn't even cover. So a big thank you to OnlySimchas.com, and um, we appreciate the fact that uh, some of what we do here is newsworthy. And that is uh, much appreciated. Erev Shabbos Parshas Baloscha, candle lighting at 8.04. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us Fridays here at JM in the AM for the weekly update. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. It's good to be with you as always. I appreciate that. All right. Let's see if we can get through this news story. I said to myself earlier in the week, you're going to need 10 minutes just to explain this whole thing to me. Uh, French foreign minister has sought to calm a row, as the Jerusalem Post puts it, with Israel today, Friday, saying France opposed any boycott of the Jewish state, but stressing telecom firm Orange, which plans to end its license deal there, meaning in Israel, was free to define its own policy. Orange CEO... Stéphane Richard said earlier this week the French company was willing to withdraw the orange brand from Israel, quote-unquote, tomorrow morning, but moving too quickly would expose his company to legal risks and possible financial penalties. So let's start from square one, something I never knew. Orange is essentially leased by entrepreneurs in Israel and the world from the government of France, is that how it works? Could you explain it to me, please? Sure. Uh, and it, it does take time, and, and you're absolutely right that it's complicated, but people have to understand the significance of this move. This would be a major international corporation literally joining the boycott movement, the BDS movement. It's what he said, and compounded then by comments made by various people, including the ambassador to the U.S., which I'll come to in a minute, uh, Orange is a, a private corporation, but it is owned 25% by the government of France. In fact, I think it's the largest single stockholder, uh, the largest block, but certainly they are the dominant force in the company. So the French government can't uh, say this is a private enterprise and therefore they have no say in it. So even though there's no principal owner at 51%, they essentially well, are the principal owner. Stock exchange, and there are right. other block owners, and we are tracing down all the people who have big blocks of it. But the but it, it is the government that has the say, and the biggest uh, uh, part of it. The foreign minister did come out today and say, as you said, that that uh, they are opposed. Well, he has said today beyond that that they are opposed to uh, a boycott. We have been in touch with them, and. You know, France has been involved in a number of steps, including the UN resolution that in September that is uh, trying to set up a framework for negotiations or dictate a time frame and an endpoint. So France is uh, sort of trying to distance itself the French officialdom, but the uh, but the fact is that they can't. The CEO, 
comments that you, you mentioned about the legal ramifications is because he signed a deal in March with uh, Orange Israel, which is run by partners. Uh, that's the name of the company. It's headed. It's a. It's a conglomerate. It's headed by uh, Chaim Saban. Is is I think the largest sh- shareholder of it. And they uh, they signed a ten year deal. So this would be be a breach of the deal. And he said, you know, for all the criticism we get for doing business there, it's not worth it for the profit we make. Mm. The fact is that this is a profitable uh, franchise for them. It is not an orange company. So when people say that they should boycott orange in Israel, in fact, you'd be putting tens of or thousands, rather, of, of, of employees of the orange telephone company out of business, out of work. Uh, it does not punish the orange company, the, the employees there in Israel put the Israeli flag over the orange logo at the company headquarters and did a demonstration of their own against what the uh, parent company had done. But it is not really a, a subsidiary of of Orange. It is an affiliate, and it has, uh, obviously, this uh, long-term arrangement uh, with them. But the, the concern is that we're seeing these manifestations of BDS, which I think, Nahum, we can say we've talked 10 years about warning that this thing is developing and people dismissing it because we largely had victories in putting down the efforts on campuses, that is reversing as well. We're yeah. seeing it on more and more campuses. And how timely it is that last week we made a point to the fact that everybody's in this fight and that now we really have to mobilize everybody. But you got, you got to go back one step for a moment. I, I'm so confused. Why would Israel, essentially it's a leasing deal, right? It's a telecommunications leasing deal, right? I mean, essentially. They, why do they need any any French intervention to have a phone company and and all its uh, you know and, and everything that goes along with it in Israel? I just don't get it. Well, first of all, I assume it's because of the international network, the international connection. When you're a telephone company, you need to have access to to international sources. And, tele- and French Telecom is an international company. We have found some affiliates here in the United States, mostly business services, meaning providing uh, access to airwaves, which uh, Orange France owns here in the United States. They they have a a number of companies that we have uh, uncovered, but it doesn't seem that they have services, particular services. So Orange is Israel. There is no Orange in France. Orange is Israel. It's no, Orange is in France. Orange is the major telecom company in France. So they they just and they, so even though the name of the company and it's a worldwide uh, brand. Understood, but there is also an Orange Israel, right? Like that's, se- that's separate that's from Orange is an Orange. It's really uh, it's called Partners. It was originally Partners. Right. That's why you say that if you're going to protest against the current employees and company in Israel, you are ju- all you're doing is hurting. Orange Israel. You're not hurting right. Orange in general. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So, um, so this CEO say make these comments. Obviously, they're under tremendous pressure, right? I mean, the the, the French government, the CEO, representatives of the of the company would never make statements like this if they were not under tremendous pressure from, I guess, what other countries or those who sympathize with the Palestinians, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, right. They would never have made these statements without... He would never have come out with a statement like this if not for the pressure out there. He made it in Cairo where they just signed a big deal. I don't know whether they came under pressure um, 
from. I mean, they may have been told if you do business with Israel, we don't want to do business with. It may also be. It may also be that the the head of the company has a bias and is right willing to join. But it's possible that they were told if you do business with Israel, we have no interest in doing business with you. That's what the the question was. Uh, He's saying, look, it's a purely commercial consideration, right? And that he wasn't even aware of the international boycott movement, and he said. Uh, uh, last night in an interview, we love Israel, insisting that they love Israel. Uh, He just didn't realize Israel would be a thorn in his side to do business. Pardon me? He just didn't realize that Israel would be a thorn in his side to do business, that's all. You know, because he may lose big clients because of Israel. That's what he's discovering now. Right. He's saying that Israel's policies towards the Palestinians has nothing to do with Israel. We love Israel. We are there. We're in the enterprise market. We just don't want this whole thing to affect our bottom line. And they do invest in high-tech inventions in Israel, innovation in Israel, uh, and that they're a friend. And he said this has nothing to do with political debate. Right. He's saying it's purely innocent. Right. By the way, I'm not being facetious. He, he, it affects his bottom line. I mean, that's, you know. He, well, obviously, he's saying that there is some consideration right. that moves it, uh, that, that would move him to take it. But he said, um, uh, when he said in Cairo that he was prepared to withdraw from Israel, he said, also, as soon as tomorrow morning, but without exposing them to, to huge risk. Right. So he said later that he denied those comments uh, and, uh, that, he, that were reported or wanting to pull out of the Israeli market as being in any way politically motivated. That right. was clearly the message that was reported uh, uh, from Cairo and in the way that he put it and, why, and saying that he would do it tomorrow. Right. Um, it claims... Now Orange claims that it was just a desire from the brand in countries in which it is uh, no longer an operator, which is the point I made before. That right. They do not provide the service. Right. It's a partner that provides it. All right, so, and we've seen this before. We have seen companies that you know have been told, if you do business with Israel or in some cases do business with companies you know, in Judea and Samaria, etc., you know, fill in the blank, then we can't do business with you. Uh, Saban and the Prime Minister, were, were those the two most significant statements that came out this week, you know, countering what happened with uh, with Orange? Well, we haven't heard yet from uh, the leaders uh, from uh, publicly, but we have been in touch with the leaders in France about it, and the French Jewish community came out with a very strong statement uh, about it. Um, but I think the most important statements are the ones now that uh, that the CEO put out as as a result of it, right. explaining the the policy or trying to to walk it back without denying it, and without out um, uh, trying to he, he tried to rectify it without correcting it. Right, but, but from the Israeli standpoint, you know, Saban's strong statement well, across the board on this issue. There's a cross the board reaction. Right, and and his strong statement plus the prime minister, you know, essentially, you know, expressed his anger. At the entire episode, those were among the, uh, uh, the the important reactions. Let's put it that way, to what what's been going on. So, what's the next step? What do you think is going to happen? I mean, we're not going to see we're not going to see protests in the streets of Israel, are we? Well, first of all, as I said, the foreign minister said that France was firmly opposed. He said, while it's a decision for the Orange Group to determine the commercial strategy of the company, that the government of France is opposed to a boycott and. But also adding, France and the EU have a consistent policy on settlement building that is known, because in in uh, in the response to Richard to the comments by the CEO Richards, um, 
this followed last month a report accusing Orange of indirectly supporting Israeli settlements in the West Bank mm. through its relationship with Partner. And five of the five mainly French NGOs, non-governmental organizations, but also two of the trade major trade unions urged Orange then to cut the business ties and declare that its desire to avoid contributing to the viability, economic viability of the settlements. Right. So that comes to the point raised about the political pressure and price that they that he was responding. Just out of curiosity, if they would pull out, uh, would it you know would, would there be chaos in the Israeli phone industry or or that no, would no 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 they they only they provide the brand they don't provide the service the right. service would continue just continue probably under a different name. Right. So this is it's interesting this is like a combination of the business aspect of BDS and the symbolic aspect of the, of BDS. It's like a, you know, right. everything about BDS is in this story. That's right. It, well, well, and it also tells you the nefarious nature that the response to pressures of uh, that trade unions and others are joining in this uh, call and when people dismiss as they have so often when we've raised this issue uh, all along, in the nascent stages, when there was, uh, you know, much smaller ramifications, to understand what it leads to. And every step that they get away with, every step leads to another step that is, uh, you know, that will be more lethal and more dangerous uh, for, for, uh, in terms of expanding it. Yeah. And it and it relates to other moves. You know, uh, the National Union of British Students this week declared a boycott of Israel, urged academic boycott. And God, the board of uh, universities—it's uh, I think 122 or so heads of uh, major academic, major universities, colleges—issued uh, a statement saying that they fully and absolutely reject any boycott, academic boycott of Israel. It's not an ec- economic boycott; it's academic, but that's the field that they would be impacted by. So there is, you know, there's still a lot of support against the uh, implications. But even in the UN, we see see it now. There's a, uh, a measure before the Secretary General. It's a report that's put out each year about children uh, in conflict situation, and they issue a report. And then there's a list of shame they call it, uh, where they name those who violate and the most blatant violations of the rights of children. They're talking about torture, rape, uh, most horrific crimes against children you can imagine. And now they are considering, based upon a report, an Algerian diplomat made the recommendation, and the uh, Secretary General has the report, which they put out each year, but they're singling out Israel now to put it on the list of shame with (laughs) Boko Haram, ISIS, al-Nusra, the worst violators. Nothing about Syria with tens of thousands of children killed. Nothing about the violations by Iran, the violations in Iraq, in Yemen, where they killed children killed. But focusing on Israel and on the IDF in particular, naming the IDF, not the State of Israel, uh, and the the actions that took place in Gaza, not that the Hamas used them as human shields, not that thousands of Palestinian children are treated in Israeli hospitals every year, not the assistance and aid that Israel is providing to Gaza, but singling them out. And people will say, so what? Who cares if there's a report? The answer is that then you make every soldier traveling subject 
especially in Europe where they have laws that an individual, even an unrelated party, can bring a lawsuit and have them arrested at an airport. Remember we went through this a couple yeah, of ago? Yeah, of course, but, that, but we thought that was limited to members of government. Now you're saying every Israeli soldier can be arrested. Well, because they're blaming the IDF and they're saying, well, until we prove that you did or did not serve in Gaza and that you did or did not kill a child or whatever, and and we know that, that it is Hamas that is firing from civilian populations at a civilian population putting children at risk they're not named they're not blamed in this report it is israel that is being singled out so we are working assiduously and i must say we have many friends on this but there's a lot of pressure again from within the united nations even within the hierarchy of the united nations on the secretary general to to uh, add israel to this list of shame. And this is exactly what the boycott, move, the BDS movement wants to see. The further denigration, diminution, diminution and, and demonization of Israel. This is what the delegitimization campaign As Prime Minister Netanyahu said on Sunday, his country faced, quote, an international campaign to blacken its name, based not on his policies toward the Palestinians, but, quote, connected to our very existence, likening the mounting boycott movement to anti-Semitic libels of previous eras. Couldn't have said it better myself. And by the way, as we said last week, everybody can be a soldier in this war. Uh, I just wish people would wake up and, and be a little bit more active in this army. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Welcome those who are tuned in on the web around the world and on the NSN app. Weekly update, 7.40 Eastern Time every Friday here at JM in the AM. Prime Minister Netanyahu had some strong words. That was a, uh, <laughs> he, uh, he, uh, he didn't hold back at all. Likening the mounting boycott movement to libels of previous eras. And at some point, Malcolm, our community has got to wake up and understand what's going on here. And, and, and you made a comment at the end, uh, that is, uh, before your, uh, station identification, I guess, that the, uh, about, about the implications for everybody, because then any supporter of Israel That's right. can be subject to, to arrest. Anybody, because if you're aiding and abetting people who are torturing children, then you and, or your supporter or supplier aiding, if you, if you help a terrorist organization, nothing happens to you. But if you help the one democracy in the region, then they too could bring charges against you. Yeah. And if you know Jewish history, and you're somebody who does, it's not that many steps to the point that you're describing. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not out here, you know, making declarations about what the NSA does know or doesn't know about their citizens. But, you know, it's not so crazy in the context of Jewish history to think that, you know, somebody who's exposed as a supporter of Israel down the road could be facing their own legal challenges and even worse, their own physical challenges. I don't know how to be any more discreet than I am being. Right, but and and it, and it is the expansion of this that that this is a cancer that left unchecked just continues to grow, and we uh, are fighting it. As you know, in North uh, South Carolina, North Carolina, I think South Carolina just signed this week uh, a, a very advanced legislation against BDS, saying that they can't do business with the state, that they can't uh, uh, do business with the pension funds of the state. Illinois did it, uh, Indiana did it. Um, about six states recently have passed 
uh, legislation. We're working to to get it in every state, uh, including New York. Uh, God willing, we'll do it. The, the this is a very important. And last week you described why it's so important, state by state. Also, pardon me. I, I want to remind people. Last week you described. Everyone rolls their eyes at this stuff. You described why it's so important. These movements, state by state. Exactly, and why this one uh, signed by the governor uh, just yesterday is uh, so important, and why we need to expand it and get every state to adopt it, because a, a company has to think twice. As you mentioned with uh, in regard to, to Orange in a negative way, yeah. if they think that they're going to lose the business and the opportunity to get into the billions of dollars of, um, what do you call it, of um, the billions of dollars of uh, pension funds and state contracts, mm-hmm. they're going to think two or three, four or five times. <laughs> We're doing it. Yeah, that's for sure. By the way, he, he, the prime minister has taken this soccer thing, you know, the effort, and, and it's been suspended, right? There's no more uh, effort to throw Israel out of the soccer union. or to, it, A lot of that grew out of, by the way, internal fights within the Palestinian Authority. Um, Chancellor Merkel, I know, weighed in very heavily, as did others in the United States as well. But Netanyahu really took it personally. The quote is, this is a phenomenon that we've known in the history of our people, citing as, as examples accusations that Jews, quote, are the focus of all evil in the world, and quote, drink the blood of little children. I mean, he literally took this soccer episode and, and said this is the libel of 2015. Well, it is, it is the libel, like Middle Ages libel, because it does... When Israel would be uh, isolated in this way within FIFA, not only does it hurt the people of Israel who are big soccer fans, but it's, it, is, uh, it is accompanied by accusations of exactly this. We see these accusations. Certainly Iran continues uh, unabated in its, in its uh, vicious anti-Semitic uh, comments. And, uh, you know, even though they say we're not going to allow... Any of our scientists be integrated, when, in, 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 interrogated. We're not going to allow any visitation, you know, the, anywhere, anytime, any place. No criticism. We, we hear, we see that Assad's militias taking away the, the treasures of the past. We see the Islamic guys, the IS guys, destroying the past. Nothing from the, those who are quote protecting the cultural heritage of the of the world. But Israel, which does everything in to to protect these things and protect people working. To, to save lives on the northern border with a field hospital treating uh, people who often would want to destroy Israel. Of course. And, and the U.N. allowed now this week uh, an organization associated with Hamas. It's called the Palestinian Return Center. They granted them NGO status, which is non-governmental organization status. This is a group based in Britain that promotes anti-Israel propaganda in Europe and on campuses and in, in the public generally. And they, you know, Israel, long ago under Defense Minister uh, Barak, I think at least four years ago, uh, said that the PRC is an organizational uh, coordinating wing of Hamas in Europe, and therefore it was banned. It's somebody. It's an organization that includes in its manifest the denial of the right of Israel to exist. This is a member state of the UN, and they're going to grant them. NGO status. America tried to bring in uh, some liberal NGO organization and it was rejected. <laughs> and yet, this, uh, you know, they, they make this false distinction between the military wing and the political wing. Right. There's no distinction. And, the, and it gives them access to UN committees, to the Human Rights Council, uh, and for permanent independent representation in UN sessions. And this is not to suggest that Jewish leadership has things happen, you know, uh, under the radar uh, that they don't 
you know, they don't catch. But I would guess the UN Committee on, Committee on NGOs likely has other groups that are part of it that, uh, that are also sympathetic or, or affiliated with terrorist organizations, right? I would assume, correct? We, we, you couldn't have weeded out all of them. It's as openly. I mean, we obviously have a lot of Jewish organizations who are also NGOs, um, and some are opposed if they're, quote, considered pro-Israel. Right. Uh, but the, the, um, this, this is such a blatant association. I mean, it's not even, you know, indirect where you have groups that uh, may advocate or, or do something. Here's an organization that has as part of its mandate the, the, the denial of the right of Israel to exist. It's a member state. It's a violation of the charter. I mean, what does the U.N. stand for, if not that? Yeah. Uh, you know, the Olympics of the 1970s got a lot of focus this week in the international news. Uh, but I was concentrating on another news story from the 1970s Olympics. And that, of course, is that finally, it seems, there's going to be a memorial to the, to those who were murdered uh, to the Israeli athletes, coaches, etc., who were murdered at the 1972 Munich Olympics. And it's funny, I was saying to myself as I read the article uh, uh, detailing, you know, what they're planning on doing, uh, that, that you and I often discuss how the world is very good at making memorials for Jews. In this case, it, it, it proves once again that sometimes it takes decades for them even to get to the memorial. This week, uh, uh, on Monday at the United Nations, we had uh, the... A, a, uh, an event commemorating the 74th anniversary of the Farhud. The Farhud was a pogrom against the Jews of Iran, uh, led by Haj Amin al Husseini, the Mufti of Jerusalem. And it was a pogrom that took uh, about 180 lives. Many hundreds uh, the women were raped, the people were tortured. The 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 story is a horrific one. There's a new book by Edwin Black who really took the lead on this. It took 74 years to recognize it because people didn't consider it part of the Holocaust story because I guess they, they thought it was only within the bounds of Europe. Right. And the story is very important because Haj Alamin, who was the Mufti of Jerusalem, the uncle of Arafat, who got, uh, in 1946, amnesty from Great Britain despite his direct involvement in Berlin for five years as an ally of Hitler, and he is the one, when Hitler wanted to ship the Jews to Palestine, and uh, uh, Hajamin uh, actually started building a concentration camp in Nablus, which people don't know, mm-hmm. he was the one who said, why are you visiting your problems on us, and proposed the final solution. It was he who proposed it. it did not come from one of the Nazi officers, so obviously they adopted it. And he also headed a major a Muslim army of 100,000 based in Bosnia that was supposedly the most brutal of all the forces during World War II, the, the, how barbaric they were. They killed 200,000 people, they killed tens of thousands of Jews to hundreds of thousands of Serbs. And the, the whole story is so sordid, it's so horrific, and it, it was the precursor to what happened then with the expulsion of the Jews after 2,500 years or the forced expulsion of the Jews and forcing them to leave behind all their property, everything in all the countries, including Iraq. Uh, and we see the depth of the heritage now when, I think I pointed out that Inbar was really Pumpadisa from the government, from the Talmud, and that, that the, um, that, uh, Hardia was, is what we call, uh, uh, Fallujah. And if you look at even at these inscriptions on the, the Palmyra, the city in, in um, Syria that's come under siege, in which they're starting already to destroy, it's the Shema in Hebrew. Mm. 
that's inscribed on it. When they talk about the ancient inscriptions, etc. So we have really deep roots. For 2,600 Jews, years, Jews lived there, and all of a sudden, overnight, with the with the instigation of uh, the Mufti of Jerusalem, uh, who was allowed to come back, by the way, to the air, by after uh, Britain gave him the amnesty, and they were in charge of, of Iraq at the time. Um, to continue his hateful activities against Israel, uh, operating out of uh, Jordan and West Bank. So I mentioned a memorial regarding 1972. You're saying that some go way back, even first, second, 1941. Right, unbelievable. Um, and tell me about Israel's uh, relationship with Saudi Arabia. It seems that it's finally public and official for the first time that they are coordinating, cooperating. How would you describe the way the two countries are proceeding? I think coordinating and cooperating are too strong. I think communicating is probably closer to the reality. But there have been informal contacts, not at a high level, between uh, uh, Saudis and, and Israelis uh, talking about their common interest, which is Iran. And um, the Saudi Arabia, I don't know, uh, do, do, they, do they suffer at all politically among their neighbors now that it's out? That there's some type, even though it's low level, but some type of communication with Israel? Uh, could they? Yes. Uh, but Saudi Arabia is still the big uh, dog in the pack, and people will be reluctant uh, to to challenge him. I don't know if under the new king and uh, his son, uh, what will continue, what won't. But right now, it's in their interest. We have to remember that they're not pursuing. You know, this is not out of love of of Israel so much as it is out of the uh, survival. Haman, it's out of the common hate for for an enemy. Right. Uh, it is not insignificant that it was made public. It could not have been made public if they didn't have permission. And I'm sure you're going to hear some denials and things. But this didn't just happen. This was organized. It was Dory Gold, who's now going to be the director general of the foreign ministry from the Israeli side. Good choice, right? Very good choice. An excellent man. Um, rockets again uh, coming from the Gaza Strip. It is uh, what well, we can call it Unity Week already at this point because thank God so many people paid attention to the art side of the three boys, and we know what happened after their murder last summer and the uh, uh, the, the necessity that Israel had to go into Gaza. And we hope and pray that uh, Israeli soldiers don't have to have their lives on the line again to defend Israel. Uh, but there are rockets uh, again being fired from Gaza, more this week than last. Last week, I think we painted it more as an isolated episode. Uh, what's the latest in terms of what Israel has to respond to from the Gaza Strip? Well, Israel has responded in both cases, but I do think it's still an isolated incident, as uh, you described it the, the week before. And it's more, I think, related to internal squabbles between different Palestinian factions, uh, including supposedly an IS, Islamic State faction, uh, that is growing in uh, Gaza. It is not clear that this is, is a creation of IS because the way uh, affiliation with the Islamic State um, really is uh, its a very informal process where people start a group or have a group, change the name to IS like they did in the Philippines, Indonesia, and many other countries, and then IS uh, uh, acknowledges or denies them 
uh, affiliation with the international movement. Huh. So the Philippine group was not accepted, but the Indonesian group was. <laughs> is, so it, so is, now you have is there more pride when you are accepted or you're not, not accepted? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's actually a good question. Uh, but it depends whether which side of the yeah. barbaric cross line you're on. Exactly. Um, I mean, this is a group that... Uh, has engaged in all these activities, and you notice, I mean, burning people alive, beheading, all of the other things they do, and and yet the nobody is boycotting them. You haven't seen a boycott by the, all these student groups. You haven't heard about divestment from IS or you know calls for, for the steps against them uh, for sure. that one would expect. So the the situation in Gaza is uh, is about. Uh, groups that are against Hamas, they feel Hamas hasn't done anything in terms of rebuilding. On the one hand, the, uh, high, highlighting the the continued corruption and most of all the diversion of resources towards the tunnels, uh, cement that has come in, all of the rest that that uh, materials that they have put into uh, rebuilding the tunnel infrastructure, <clears throat> including the use of the heavy equipment. Second, about the it's about the distribution of funds and not paying uh, certain employees and people, so that becomes uh, a major source of, uh, uh, and, uh, of the friction between the different groups. And then comes the, the question of, of trying to prove that they that each party wants to prove that they are the muscular one, right. and so they often engage in a in a kind of firing. To say, look, we're keeping the heat on uh, on Israel, but in fact, it, it is not against Israel it is as much as it is uh, an internal squabble. You have any idea if Israel's made any progress for the return of the bodies of Hadar Golden and Oren Shaul? As far as I know, I mean, they work on this issue constantly. I can imagine, my God. Uh, I assume that we would know if they were successful. Uh, are you watching any of these Harabayat videos? Are you aware of the fact that in addition to the police really being very physically reactive to certain people who are noticeably Jewish who want to go into Harabayat, uh, I don't know if you've seen that video or not, but in addition to that, are you aware of the fact that now a Jew, anybody else can, but a noticeable Jew cannot carry a water bottle onto Harabayat because it's possible that before drinking the water, he might say a prayer on the Temple Mount to God? I, I haven't heard that, and I, I don't know if every report is actually true, but I think that the denial of Jews, the right to pray, that somebody standing there and moving their lips was, was arrested or removed, yeah. was, was seen as offensive, is so offensive and so outrageous. Um, and it's a situation, again, where we allowed it to deteriorate in our claim and our, our, our heritage, there then is endangered. You, you know, Mayor Weingarten was with me earlier in the week, and he called Harabayat a de facto Palestinian state. That might be a startling way of putting it, but there's some truth to it. That's certainly part of it. And 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 look at the neighboring mountain, Harizetin, where this week in in the section called Afghani section, which is very old, fifty-two tombstones have been destroyed over the last few weeks. They do two or three a night, every night, desecrating. The, the most sacred and the biggest Jewish cemetery in the world, there are at least 150,000 people, including the Vim and prophets who are buried there. And the fact that, the, that it continues, if you give up the Mount of Olives, you've divided Jerusalem. They can't tolerate the Jews who are alive, and they can't tolerate the Jews who are dead. They don't let us live in peace, and they don't let us rest in peace. Exactly. The government has to take 
really stringent action, and the prime minister did allocate and did respond, and they did put up a police station, but there are no police there. They put up cameras, but it takes too long to, to respond because, you know, somebody breaking a tombstone, it takes a few minutes. They have this down to, to a science, and the, this, this is an act of defiance. It's, it's uh, uh, you know, a claim of sovereignty. It's, uh, it is such a, uh, and, and to, to do it against the dead, one would expect that there'd be some level of respect yeah. can't be allowed to continue. And the government must do everything, this new government, and there's a lot of support for it, but we don't see the end result that, the, that this can continue uh, endlessly with people being harassed, that people are afraid to go up there to visit their, their loved ones, the, the graves of loved ones. Menachem Begin is there. I mean, many great people are, are buried there let alone the tens of thousands of Jews who saved everything that they had in order to be buried there, coming from Europe, coming from around the world. This is a disgrace. And the international committee here in, in the States, uh, led by Lubinsky's and others who have been uh, really devoted to this, and I've been privileged to work with them on it, you know, there really has to be, and it's now international, the whole Jewish community, everybody, regardless of where you stand religiously or anything else, has to say that, that if there was a community in which 150,000 Jewish souls were in danger, the whole world of Jews would react. So here you have a cemetery with the tens of thousands, 150,000 at least uh, Jews, many of them desecrated, if you remember, during the Jordanian years where they took all the, the headstones and they used them for latrines, and etc., this has been for 3,000 years in National Jewish Cemetery. David, King David, hid there when Saul was uh, chasing after him. I mean, it figures so prominently. The Paraduma, the red cow, the, the, the ashes there, came, you know, was done from there. And they say the Messiah is going to come. What happens when he comes and he sees this? what happened? He'll turn around and leave again. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you, and on top of that, there's a country with millions of Jews that is... Uh uh, under threat on a constant basis. You you have to uh, you have to help me to continue to motivate this audience, especially with these important weeks coming up. Uh, everybody has a role. We mentioned this about the president of Israel last week. The way he put it, I thought it was brilliant. The way he put it, uh, everybody has a role as a soldier in this fight, and uh, I, I hope that everyone takes a more active role. Uh, little steps, little steps at a time. We're not asking everybody to jump right in, but at least to. Start taking a more active role in what's happening. Contact public officials, especially here uh, in this area, and uh, and make an impact on what's happening out there. Everybody has the ability to do so in any age group. And finally, uh, thank God, many people in this audience were there on Fifth Avenue last week. Always imp- important to end on a positive note, and there was a great spirit in New York City last Sunday. And I think Unity Day gave me a message, which I was able to transmit to everybody uh and we and you mentioned this last week as well we have to start concentrating on what unites us and start setting aside for the moment what divides us and if we do that then days like sunday will be even bigger celebrations on 5th avenue yes um, but but we can't conclude without talking about what's happened on, with regard to iran and when people want to show and demonstrate unity now the issue is iran to show our unity, obviously, with Israel, but to, to let Congress know when we see this week, they said no visitations after all the promises of anywhere, anytime, intrusive uh, investigations. Uh, Khomeini said, I'm not going to allow any of them to be, inter- our scientists to be interrogated. We're not going to let them go to any military centers. 
We see them continue to say that Israel has no right to exist and the death to the Jews chance, the death to America chance. We see the, um, uh, the expansion of their activities, the continued expansion, how the U.S., uh, the Pentagon noted all the threats, the terrorism, the ballistic missiles, the uh, expansion of their activities like in Yemen, etc., that uh, uh, their forces uh, are, are continuing, and they, there are now 7,000 Iran-Iraqi troops in, in Syria operative. But we are, we are coming close to the deadline. I'm not sure this will be the deadline. That, that it will actually be June 30th. But people have to let their members of Congress know that no deal is better than a bad deal and that what we're headed to right now from all of the reports, and we don't know, you know all the details, and I, I'm afraid we may not know all the details, but for what we know, it's enough to know that this is not heading in the right direction. And the release of 30 to $50 billion initially will mean that Hezbollah, which has been getting all of these weapons, will be rearmed and they will continue to pour all this money in. And especially as Syria becomes endangered for Iran, meaning that the Assad regime is losing significantly now in, in the last week or two. And Iran has such a huge investment there and said that we are going to stay with him until the very end. So they need this money, A, to supply and to resupply their terrorist operations globally, Hezbollah, Hamas, etc., and to continue destabilizing other regimes. So there really has to be an outcry from the public, the messages to members of Congress that they make their voice heard, to the White House to make their voice heard, that this is, we're headed in the, in the wrong direction. You see how the Russians are starting to pull out their people from Syria. That, that is a pretty strong message about, uh, you know, about the, what their assessment of, uh, of uh, Syria's future and the pouring in of maybe 10,000 troops from Iran and Iraq. And the, uh, this has a lot of implications for Golan, which we'll talk about I hope, one of these days. But I really hope that people not lose sight, that people tend to get tired of, of uh, you know, us hammering away on the Iran issues. But they are not tired, and they continue to their threats. Do you see the, the huge consequences of all of this? And as we get, you know, now weeks away from what could be a deadline, and they say they've made progress in the talks, I assure you the progress are not, is not progress that most of us will welcome. If yeah. they could get a good deal, it would be great. This is not a good deal so far, and, and there has to be the pressure and assurance that everything will be done to have not only about what the deal is, but what the follow-up to the deal is and how how it will be implemented. So important. Thank you, Malcolm. Have a wonderful Shabbos. J.M. and the M. Friday morning on this era of Shabbos. Parsha's Baloscha. Candlelighting at 8.04 on this era of Shabbos. A special Mazel Tov wish going out to the Rosazada family in West Orange, New Jersey. David's Bar Mitzvah this Shabbos. Mazel Tov to Lori and Dr. Joe and the entire family from all of us here at J.M. in the A.M. Rabbi Yudin is set, and uh, we will continue with the Torah portion of the week. I just want to remind everybody that Matis will be doing a JM Sunday this coming Sunday. Every single Sunday, he's uh, doing JM Sunday live, starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Make sure to be tuned in at jmtheam.org and on the NSN app. And he will feature a news report in English, as he does every single week at 8 o'clock Eastern Time this coming Sunday. Make sure to be tuned in this time each and every Friday, every Arab Shabbos. With great pleasure, we present... 
Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Baaloscha. Parshas Baaloscha, according to the Chinuch, contains five mitzvos, three positive mitzvos, and two restrictions. We have in Parshas Baaloscha a kind of unfortunate roller coaster ride. We begin the Parsha literally moving forward to Eretz Yisrael. Moshe invites his father-in-law to accompany B'nai Yisrael. And you will be an inspiration to us. Why? We all accepted the Torah. I don't want to say because we had to, but we all went through the experience of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. God performed these incredible wonders for us, and we responded in kind to Him, namely, Nasev Nishma, we will accept your Torah. Yisro was not in Mitzrayim. Yisro comes on his own volition. For Yisrael le'enayim, you will be, says Moshe, to his father-in-law, a incredible source of inspiration. What do we find shortly thereafter? Ouch! The Torah tells us that we have the misonanim, the people are complaining. This is separated by the two psukim of Vahibin Soa and Uvenucho Yomar and the inverted nuns which partition them off, regarding which the Talmud teaches us at the end of the Gemara Shabbos that in reality there are not five but seven books of the Torah, because the book of Bamidbar might actually be divided into three prior to Vahibin Soa, these two psukim of Vahibin Soa, and that which follows. We were about to go, and that which follows is unfortunately the sliding of B'nai Yisrael, they're asking for meat, kivros hata'ava, and unfortunately paving the way for next week's parsha of Shlach and the Miraglim. I'd like to focus, however, on the very end of the parsha, whereby we encounter the speaking of Miriam and Moshe, and Aaron, excuse me, about the brother Moshe. In the context, the rabbis explain it, that when Moshe was so frustrated that the people were complaining, so Moshe said, that's it, I cannot do this alone. Hashem tells Moshe to gather 70 elders, and in order to do this, each tribe, 12 tribes, each present six men, but that is 12 times 6 is 72. Rashi explains that 
of these 72, only 70 of them, as God ordered, were worthy to become members of the Sanhedrin. And each passed by, pulled out of a designated bowl, a piece which either said Zokain, that they are a member of the Sanhedrin, or it was a blank. Two individuals were taught, and they're identified in the Torah, as Eldod and Medod, said to themselves, for sure, we're not worthy. They didn't even go. In reality, they were worthy of becoming part of this Sanhedrin, and attaining prophecy. And so they prophesied, the Torah tells us, Bamachana, literally in the camp. And so the rabbis tell us to connect the dots when Sipora, Miriam's, excuse me, Moshe's wife, hears them prophesying, she instinctively says, Ay, I feel sorry for their wives. So now the secret was out, namely that Moshe had separated himself from Tzipporah. To which Miriam and Aaron say, wait a second, is Moshe the only Navi? Come on, we too are Nevi'im, and we did not separate ourselves from our spouses. Now in reality, if one looks in the fifth book, when Moshe recounts for the Jewish people in Parshas for Eschanan, the Aseris Hadibros, and the events leading up prior to and afterwards, so Moshe tells the people that after the revelation, Hashem in chapter 5, Pasuk 27, sends the people back to their respective spouses. Shuvu lachem l'ohalechem. Literally, go back to your tents. V'yatah, and you, Moshe, po amodi modi. You stay with me. So Moshe literally took his cue from God that he was, after all, on call 24-7, and therefore Moshe separated from his spouse. Hashem calls an emergency meeting of Moshe, Miriam, and Aaron, and He teaches them and us for all future generations that there's a marked distinction between the prophecy of all other prophets and that of Moshe Rabbeinu. And indeed, there is within the Rambam's 13 principles of faith, the Rambam has number 6 of his uh, Yud Gimel, Ikorei Hadat. Number 6 is, Anima Amin, Be'emun HaShlema, I believe with perfect faith that there is Kol Devrei Nevi'im Emes, that there is prophecy Number seven, Anim Amim Bemuna Shlema, Shenevuas Moshe Rabbeinu Olava Shalom Haisa Amitis. That there's a distinct difference between 
all other prophets and the prophecy of Moshe. Where is that coming from? That's coming from the end of this week's parsha, whereby Hashem, in His praise of Moshe, says in chapter 12, in Bamibar, verse 8, literally, I will speak to him, mouth to mouth, straight, literally in a clear vision, and not in riddles, usmunas Hashem yabit, and literally, at the image of Hashem does he gaze. Now, what does this mean that Moshe sees the image of God when we know, and every child knows, God is incorporeal; He has no body. So what does it mean that he sees the image of God? Rav Herschel Shechter Shlita, in his introduction to his third Sefer, Ginas Egos, has a beautiful understanding of these three words. He cites, number one, the Ramban. In his introduction to the Torah, the Ramban says based upon the verse, Kishem Hashem Ekra, in Ha'azinu, when I call out God's name, which is the verse that teaches us that when one studies Torah, we ought to first recite a bracha, Shem Hashem literally means the name of God. And the Ramban says that indeed all of Torah is Shmos of Shah Baruch Hu. Now this is most esoteric and mystical, and we can't understand it, but it means that just as the shame, a name, represents the essence, the essence of God is His Torah. And he cites further the Chofetz Chaim, in his Shem Olam, chapter 12, as much as says that the Torah is not simply a description of God, but a photograph of God. Now, we don't mean this literally, but just as when one sees a picture, one has a greater understanding of the subject, if we want to know the subject called God, we get to know Him through His Torah. And this explains a very interesting phenomenon about Torah. I don't believe there's another constitution in the world that has laws that never were applicable. And the Gemara in Sanhedrin 71 suggests that there are those that say that the Bensorer Umora never happened, never would happen. Bayez HaMenuga, the house that was afflicted with leprosy. And Ir Hanidachas, the city that was literally uh, burnt and all the inhabitants were killed. So if these never happened and never would happen, why are they in the Torah? And the Gemara says, Drosh the Kabel Schar, literally, to study it and get a reward. Now many understood that the study and get the reward is the reward of Talmud Torah. 
But the Balatanya suggests that the reward is that you get a greater understanding of God. In other words, our Torah is the means with which we connect with Hashem. As Rav Chaim Goloshina says in Nefesh HaChaim, who the Diburo Uritsono Echad, God, His speech, His Torah, and His Ratzon, His desire is one. Meaning that the Torah is the Ratzon. This represents the will of God. And this is the manner in which we connect with Hashem. We connect with Him by studying His Ratzon. What does He want? And we get to know Him by studying Him. But I'd like to carry this one step beyond. So literally when the Torah says that Moshe saw the image of God, the picture of God, it means that Moshe had a greater or the greatest understanding of Torah and of God than any other prophet than any other individual. But I believe that there's a very powerful lesson for each and every one of us. Namely, that to know God is to love Him. We say this every day, twice a day in the Shema. You are to love God. How does that happen? Through His teaching. Once again, now, how does one get to love Him? by learning his Torah, but we now see from this week's parsha of Baaloscha that learning his Torah is not an academic pursuit, it's not an intellectual pursuit, but literally the next time you open a Sefer, the privilege of saying to yourself or even out loud, I am sitting down, to study Torah, the will of God, this is affording me that opportunity of getting to know Him. Because indeed, the more one learns, the more one knows. And the more one knows, the more you get to love. Finally, in the last chapter of Pirkei Avos, we are taught that one who studies Torah in the first Mishnah, in the last chapter, Malbashto, that the Torah literally clothes and makes the person fit for people enjoy counsel and wisdom, understanding and strength from Him. How is that? Because the more you take in of Torah, in all areas of Torah, the more one has imbibed the divine, and therefore one is able to provide this kind of counsel and wisdom which flows from the person, from the opportunity that they had from connecting by studying his Torah. Moshe is Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe had the most perfect picture of God, but all of us, each of us, in our own way, the same Chalkeinu Besorah Secha, when we sit down 
to study Torah, we connect and literally get to know HaKadosh Baruch Hu. What an incredible privilege. Shabbat Shalom to all.
Avramel. That is Avramel. Avram Fried. Someone asked me, uh, who asked me that question? I was at an event this week. Someone asked me if I gave him the name of Avramel, which of course I didn't. But we have discussed on the air before. I think we've discussed on the air before why I always call him Avramel. Anyway, he'll join us next week at some point, I'm sure. So maybe we'll bring that up again. I got to thank Lipa and I got to thank Zalman Malotek. If you missed the interview, everyone's talking about how funny the interview. I didn't think it was that funny yesterday with Lipa on, but a lot of people really get his sense of humor, which I was very happy about. Uh, summer stage in Central Park and I'm going to be there that night. I've cleared my schedule. I'm going to be there that night. I'm looking forward to it. And I really so many times people in our community have, I don't want to say complain, but I've pointed out that when there are cultural, Jewish cultural phenomenon going on in New York City, a lot of times our segment of the Jewish music world that we're used to here at JM&AM is ignored. And people have always had this complaint or observation, let's put it that way. And obviously the organizers of Culture Fest NYC, which is going on for the entire week, the International Festival of Jewish Performing Arts, presented by the National Yiddish Theater, folks being at the Museum of Jewish Heritage with the UJA Federation of New York. It's obvious they have made a concerted effort to include our Jewish music um, affinities or likings uh, in their presentation. And that's why there's a free event. They're not just offering it where you got to pay 30 bucks a ticket. It's a free event at the summer stage in Central Park, and I believe that it's important for all of us to be there, to support it and to uh, to show up and to show that when you have a Jewish cultural festival with a whole host of diverse 
uh, presentations that when you're going to put Avram Fried and Natanel Hershtik and Yanki Lemmer and Joseph Malavani and Lipa and Zusha all on the same stage, you're going to draw a big crowd. So the event is being done in memory of Mitch Merlis. It's a free summer stage concert with all the people I just mentioned. Starts at 7 p.m. on Tuesday night, June 16th. A lot of good kosher restaurants in Manhattan. Come into Manhattan. Enjoy either before or after. Enjoy something good to eat. Be at the summer stage. It's a free event. And it should be a tremendous amount of fun. So a big thank you to both Zalman Malutik and Lipa who joined me yesterday for that. And, oh, they pointed out, someone pointed out to me yesterday another, uh, uh, another event that might be, um, uh, perfectly fitting for this audience. And that is on Thursday night, June the 18th at the NYU Skirbel Center for the Performing Arts, starting at 8 p.m., there's an international mandolin supergroup. An international, now it looks from the photo, there's 11 members. And it's called the Gare Mandolin Orchestra. Uh, Avner Yonai, an Israeli-American, is responsible for it. He searched his family roots in Poland. It led to a tattered photograph of his grandfather and two other relatives playing in pre-World War II Jewish mandolin orchestra in Gare, in the Polish town of Gora Kawaria. This photo inspired him to create a contemporary version of this musical group as a memorial for those who perished in the Holocaust. So this, too... It is another event that I believe this audience would really take to. That's Thursday, June 18th, 8 o'clock in New York City. And we'll go through the whole thing again, obviously. It's CoulterFestNYC.com, K-U-L-T-U-R-F-E-S-T-N-Y-C.com, and especially the events that are aimed at this audience. Um, hey, you know, let's do our best to uh, support it. And I'm just going to make sure before I say anything... That that event, that's a, that's a $36 ticket. Okay, that's a, the Gare Mandolin Orchestra, that's a $36 ticket, Thursday night, June the 18th. And from what we're told, spectacular performers. So there you go. So encouraging everybody to support, uh, especially when there's this type of outreach to our audience. JM in the AM with candle lighting at 8.04 in this Erev Shabbos Parshas Baaloscha. Uh, great programming on our stream all through the weekend, of course. And Monday, 8th. Day live at JM in the AM this coming Monday. Eighth day live this coming Monday. Journeys at JM in the AM. It's going down. It's shining through the trees. Another week's gone by. Become a memory. So throw away your hammer. There's nothing left. Cause all your work is done Gonna spend the day together with the Holy One Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine Man and his creator, it's a very special sign will be burning They'll fill your home with light Singing songs of Shabbos Well into the night So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do
Israel and Achim Achim, our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. Wraps up a great week for us here at JMTheam. Make sure to be tuned in Monday morning. It'll be eighth day live in studio here at JMNAM. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Great weekend, everybody. Tell Monday Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.